Welcome to the Liquid Church Podcast, a place where you can hear the timeless truth of God's Word in a way that's culturally relevant and cutting edge. You're tuning in for our series, Breakthrough, where we're learning how to detox your body, mind, and soul so you can hear God's voice in a fresh way. It's our hope this message will help you discover how God's story relates to your own and that you will leave feeling encouraged. Thanks for joining us today and enjoy the message. What's up, Liquid Church? How we doing today? I want to welcome everyone in the room, all of our campuses across the great state of New Jersey, as well as everyone watching online at home. We are so glad you're here with us today. In fact, if you're new here or haven't been back in a while, we want to give you a special welcome to the house. Uh, my name is Zach. I'm one of the pastors here. And I got to tell you, this is an exciting time to be jumping in with us. We're in the middle of a church-wide campaign called Breakthrough, where for 21 days we're seeking God through fasting and prayer. And we're dedicating the first of our year to ask for more of God in our lives. And if you're new to fasting or to church in general, the idea behind it is really quite simple. Fasting is just this it's refraining from physical food for a spiritual purpose. In other words, we are going to let go of something physical that we love like food to grab hold of something spiritual that we desire even more. And if you missed the last couple of weeks, uh, don't worry. You can still jump in with us and fast. All you have to do is open up your Liquid Church mobile app and let us know well, what you're fasting for. we got several different options on there. And just thought that my fast form for us, we would love nothing more than to pray and to fast alongside you as you seek God for breakthrough. And as we stepped into this time together, I've been blown away by you guys and your commitment to this intentional season. Listen to this. Thousands of people in New Jersey and across the world have already signed up and let us know what they're asking God for breakthrough in. And that's just the technologically savvy people that were able to work the app. There's hundreds more joining us. I love this because God promises us in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Jesus, these are his words. He says, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. So Paul responds back to Jesus and he says, man, if that's the case, if that's the case, then I'm going to boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Jesus' power may rest on me. And see what's happening as we fast, as we make our bodies weaker, Jesus is becoming stronger in our lives. And I've already heard stories of God's power coming in all over the place. I was at a men's small group this week and I met Ryan who's fasting and praying for a new job. And just this week he got offered a position. Uh, but catch this, it isn't just a job. That would have been enough for sure. No, it's not just a job because our God is not just the God of enough. He's the God of abundance. So this job, it's got benefits. It's got overtime. It's got hazard pay, a 401k. Come on, we celebrate with the God of breakthrough. He doesn't even need 21 days. He just needed three to show up in Ryan's life. I met another friend, Steve. Uh, he's praying that his daughter's that his daughters would deepen their relationship with God through this fast. And he challenged them uh, to pick what they were fasting for. As a family, they all jumped in together. Uh, he did admit to me and confess that he came home one day and his girls had ordered pizza and had declared a cheat day in the middle of the fast. Uh, by the way, if uh, you already grabbed a cheat day, don't worry, God's not mad, but we can get back on track this week. Uh, but listen, as Stephen's whole family fasted together, he gave this prayer request, or prayer, praise report. He said, I'm so grateful to see my daughters fasting together with me and my wife. I'm already seeing changes in their lives. They're kinder. 
They're sweeter, and they're asking me to pray with them. Teenage girls asking their uncool dad to pray with them. Our God truly is a miracle worker. He's the God of breakthrough. And Liquid, I want you to know I'm, I'm fasting alongside you. I'm praying alongside you, and I believe that your breakthrough is coming. So let's keep chasing our God together. Are you with me? Are you with me? Well, good. Well, to start off today, I got a question for you. You guys want to hear a story. Uh, my wife, Casey, and I, we had just closed the first chapter of our life together. My undergraduate degree was completed, and we're moving out to California. Our entire lives, every possession we owned, our two dogs, and practically everything we love in this world was packed into my single cab F-150 pickup truck. In fact, we were so packed full and efficiently, I might add, uh, that Casey and I each had a, a dog in our lap for the entire 24-hour cross-country trek from Missouri to California. And we're making our way across the nation. We entered the great, great state of Texas, uh, my home state, and we passed the Don't Mess Texas sign. A, a little bit of like hometown nostalgia came over me, and it's right around that point that I started to notice some storm clouds up ahead in the distance. Casey leaned in and said, hey, I, I think we might run into a storm here. Maybe we should pull over. I said, you know, I think it's going to pass just north of us. We're going to be just fine. Those would turn out to be some famous last words. See, we kept driving a few more minutes. Casey said again, I just checked the forecast on my phone. We're definitely running into a storm, Zach. We need to pull over. I said, no, 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 we're going we're gonna to be fine. And right as I said those words, the slightest smallest sprinkle started to tap onto the front of my windshield. Fast forward about five minutes later, and that single sprinkle turned into an all-out downpour, so much so that I can't even see out the front of me and the front screen in front of me. And that's when Casey said my least favorite words that I'll ever hear. She said, we should have listened to my dad. Pausing the story real quick. Um, those words were a dagger because for weeks leading up to this trip, Casey's dad had been sending us weather patterns and forecasts. He'd been sending us MapQuest links and YouTube videos on packing tips. He's been warning us that, that summer storms come up quickly through the Midwest, that we should take lots of breaks, drink lots of water, carry chains, bring snack food, pack road flares, and be on high alert the entire time for any possible danger that might come. You kind of get the idea and picture. And so for weeks, Casey has been passing on this high alert information from her dad to me. And now in this moment, he might just be right. Unpaused. As newlyweds, I'm, I'm still trying to earn my wife's trust by convincing her that I too can care for her like her dad does. Yet instead of proving that point by circumnavigating the storm, I have instead steered us right into the heart of it, rain pouring down on all of our possessions as they get soaked in the back. And my heart is pounding and I'm trying to keep it cool in the truck, but under my breath, I'm just, I'm just muttering, please stop raining, please stop raining. And literally, to my full surprise, right in that moment, we're driving on the overpass bridge, heading into Amarillo, Texas, the rain stopped, the sky cleared, the wind ended, and I thought to myself, take that, Dad, I was right. And I so wish the story would end right there at that level of triumph. Unfortunately, it did not because God must have heard me say that in my head, because just as quickly as the rain stopped, the heavens opened up and dumped more hail than I have ever seen in my entire life. And literally within seconds, the road was so covered in ice balls that my truck tires could not make traction on the asphalt. And we immediately went into a full spin 
on the freeway overpass. Six complete circles at highway speeds. That's six rotations for every single possession that I had flipping around in the truck. That's six rotations for the two dogs in our laps freaking out and jumping onto our faces. And six rotations for my wife to contemplate that she might have made a mistake in the man that she married. Somehow, miraculously, the truck thudded to a stop facing the opposite direction on the freeway. And I checked myself, I'm alive, I'm alive. And then I looked over, both dogs have jumped and are cowering in Casey's lap. She's got scratch marks across her chest and neck, and she's got the angriest expression on her face. And she said, this never would have happened if my dad was here. I know, and we spent the last 10 years in counseling ever since. I tell that story because I think it so accurately reflects our fasting experience. At least I know it does for me. We started prepping for this journey a couple of weeks ago. We had so much so much expectation for what God was going to do along the way. We had this huge send-off rally on Sunday with all of our family and friends, and we're feeling strong, we're feeling confident. We jumped that first day of the fast and uh, actually started our fast, and we got going, and we're saying, we got this, and God's got this. And then during that first or second week of the journey, that's when some of the struggles started. We started to get a little bit hungry as our diet restrictions started to take full effect. The past month's storage of caffeine in our system made its final exit. We're off the sauce and we all realize the struggle's real. Some of us are a bit jittery. Some of us are a bit on edge. Um, in fact, Casey this week discovered how loudly I breathe. 12 years into marriage, we're doing fine guys. What felt like clear skies and smooth sailing at the beginning has gotten a little bit more difficult, hasn't it? In fact, as I've talked to people about the breakthrough that they've already encountered, I've also talked to just as many people that feel like the storm they were in has gotten worse. Their relationship with their kids feels more fragile than ever. The, uh, the, the health situation has gotten more dire. The, the road and the journey ahead for them just doesn't feel clear. And what I want to say is Jesus actually warns us of this very thing. He, he warns us that there's an enemy out there that doesn't want us to see breakthrough in our lives. John 10, 10, um, here's what Jesus says. He says that the thief, the thief comes only to what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't want you to find breakthrough. But listen to this, but Jesus has come so that we may have life and have it to the fullest. What that means is Satan will do absolutely anything in his power to throw you off course. He'll put storms in your path that make it difficult to see the road ahead. He'll spin you around and cause you to doubt what you're doing. He'll whisper lies in your ear that, that your job situation will never change, that your marriage, it isn't worth saving. He'll tell you that you should just give up, just give in. He'll tell you to go back to that old habit. He'll do anything he can in his power to knock you off this journey. So can I give you this, this challenge? Here it is don't let him. And can I give you this encouragement too? Don't let him because you have more power than you know. James 5, 16 tells us that, that the, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. When you pray, our God listens. In fact, here's the power in your prayers that you have direct access to. Jesus tells us in, in Luke 11, eight, sorry, Luke 10, 18 through 19, he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Satan's not sitting on the throne. Our God is 
Our God is the one sitting on the throne. And listen to this. Jesus says, I have given you, what is it? Authority. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. What James and Jesus are saying is that through prayer, you have access to God's power and God's authority. That means that you can walk in God's protection. He's the one that leads your path. He's the one that parts the storm. The enemy cannot touch you. What Satan meant for evil, our God will use for good. He can't harm a hair on your head because of the power that God has made available to you right here, right now. If you believe in the power of prayer in your life, that God answers our prayer, I want you to raise your hand right now. Yeah, hands up all over the room if you believe that prayers are powerful and it's effective. We believe this about our God and we believe this about prayer. Yet watch this. Another show of hands. How many of us feel like we could or, or probably even should pray more often? Almost all of us. Notice what's happening. There's a gap. We know that prayer is powerful. We know that it's effective. And yet, if I'm being honest, I rarely go to it as my first resort. Instead, I often go to it as my last resort. Even as a pastor, can I, can I confess that I often feel awkward about prayer? Like it's, like it's the one thing that's most difficult for me to do. I could jump up on stage and speak for an hour if you'd let me. But sitting down for five minutes to pray feels daunting sometimes. Is, is anyone with me or am I up here by myself? Man, I remember one of the first times I experienced this, this kind of awkwardness. I just started high school and I was at a youth conference of some sort and we're doing a prayer circle. We're all holding hands in, in that circle. And we're going around one by one praying out loud. This is my nightmare, by the way. <laughs> Fortunately, I was on the far side of the circle, so I had plenty of time to, to gather material for my prayer. <laughs> so I'm sitting there thinking through what am I going to say as I'm listening to these incredible prayers coming out. The girl across from me like starts praying out scripture. She's like, Lord, we know in Isaiah 40, verse 31, you promised that, that you who have hope in the Lord, that you're going to renew their strength, that they're going to soar on wings like eagles. I'm sitting here thinking like she's out here flying on eagle's wings. And all I have is like, Jesus, thank you for this day. Bless this food to nourish my body. That's all I got. She says, amen. The next dude comes up and, and this fully, he's praying in old King James. Oh Lord, thou artest the greatest. Thy servant hearkens thine words. And now I'm just feeling even more secure. The next dude shows up and he's like calling down thunder and lightning from heaven. Like he's some sort of Jesus wizard. And guys, I'm going all the way around this circle. Each prayer better than the last until it reaches literally the person next to me. And I'm not making this up. Every single word, word for word, he steals all my material, all of my prayer. And then he ever so gently squeezes my hand to let me know that it's my turn to pray. And I freeze because I've got nothing to say. He squeezes again to let me know to go. And I'm running through my mind like, what can I possibly say now? How do I get out of this? And that's when the idea came to me. I closed my eyes tight and with as much confidence as I could muster, I said, I've got a silent prayer request, much too holy to share, far too secretly and secretive to pray out loud. Amen. And I squeezed and peeked open one eye to see if it worked. And sure enough, they went with it. Uh, it turns out the silent prayer request that I was praying is, God, please don't ever make me pray again in public. <laughs> and we'd laugh, but as I've gotten older, I don't know that prayer's gotten that much easier for me. 
There have been times when it's awkward. There's been times where it feels boring. Even worse, there's times where I feel like I'm asking myself, is, is anyone there? Is anyone listening? Or am I just talking to myself here? Has anyone been there? Like, like you know that prayer is powerful. You know that it's effective, yet you struggle to do it. And if that's you, and if you're like me, I, I want you to know you're not alone. In fact, um, even the, the disciples, the 12 men that spent all day, every day, learning from Jesus for years, struggled with prayer. Matthew, one of those disciples, actually wrote in his account of Jesus' life that Jesus told his disciples to stay up and pray with him on the night before he would be killed. Jesus comes back to find all of his friends asleep and says, couldn't, couldn't you even pray with me for an hour? And I read that, I'm like, an hour? Sometimes I struggle to stay awake praying for five minutes, much less an hour. In fact, multiple times in the Gospels, the disciples ask Jesus to teach them how to pray. They're watching him and they're amazed at his ability to talk to God. When asked one time, here's Jesus' response, and I just, I just love this. Maybe this is something that would be familiar to you. Maybe you've heard this one before. Jesus says back to them, this is Luke 11. He says back to them, when you pray, pray like this. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. Now, I I don't think that Jesus is just giving the disciples a prayer that they can recite, although reciting prayers can be incredibly powerful in our lives. I think Jesus is also teaching his disciples something about the nature of prayer. Notice the verbs that Jesus uses. He says, give us daily bread. Forgive us of what we've done wrong. Lead us not into temptation. All of these words communicate the same thing. They communicate reliance. They communicate our need for God in our life today. And maybe that's what makes prayer so hard for us. I know for me, I don't want to rely on anyone or anything. And yet at the heart of prayer is this idea that I have to rely on God daily. In fact, the English word prayer comes from the Latin root of the word precarious. Built into our language is this understanding that the world around us is precarious. And so we have to, we need to invite God into it through prayer. But watch how this works. Our, our Western world has, over the last 200 years, has done something. Um, it's actually done everything it can to insulate us from how precarious our world really is. I'll, I'll prove it to you. Jesus teaches us to pray for our daily bread. It's a reliance on God day by day to provide for us. And for most of human history, daily food has not been a given. And listen, if that's your reality, praying comes natural, doesn't it? What choice what choice do you have but to pray for provision if you don't have it? But for nearly every single one of us in this room, we could live for at least a month just on leftover cans of beans buried in the back of our pantry alone. We're insulated from that sense of life and death reliance that has existed throughout history. We just don't feel how precarious our world is. So we don't feel the need to pray in that world. And you can just start taking example after example of how insulated we are from this reality. We have so many tools and resources at our fingertips that choosing the illusion of self-reliance is many times easier than choosing actual reliance on God. Jesus teaches us to pray to God that, that he would lead our steps. And in the ancient world, traveling was a precarious thing to do. It required reliance on God in, pray, in prayer. Yet as we leave church today, we're going to jump into our air-conditioned cars that come equipped with GPS, OnStar, LoJack, AAA. 
If an accident does occur with just three little buttons to the vice in our pocket, 911 is going to be reached and life-saving first responders will show up within minutes. If there's a financial impact because of the wreck, we have car insurance, we don't even have to worry about that, and you go on and on and on. And hear me clearly, it's not that those things are bad. In fact, many of them are actually really, really good. The challenge, though, is that they've removed our intuitive understanding of how precarious our world is. They've removed the daily necessity in our life for prayer. It just doesn't feel like life and death depends on it. In fact, it's not until we're faced with something truly bigger than ourselves that we even begin to entertain this idea of reliance. It's not until we realize that life and death are at stake that we recognize how fragile and needy we really are. It's not until those moments that we begin to recognize our need for prayer. I know the moment that I learned this lesson. I was sitting on the freeway overpass in Amarillo, Texas, facing the wrong direction on the freeway with hail all around the car. We had done our six revolutions. I had checked myself. I was still alive. Casey had reminded me that I was, in fact, not as great as her dad. And that was when we looked at each other and realized how close a call that really was. And we smiled at each other, shared a moment. It shook off the fears long enough for us to turn the car back on and continue down our journey. I started to turn the car around, and as we slowly made our way across the overpass, that's when we heard it. One of the most bone-chilling sounds that I can think of. A tornado siren began to go off in the distance, alerting us that the weather had cleared, not because the storm was done, but because a tornado had entered into the area. Almost simultaneously, our radio crackled to life with the beep, beep, beep. The robot voice across the radio waves began to repeat the National Weather Alert Service has issued a tornado warning for your immediate area. For your safety, we advise you to find immediate cover. Casey and I looked at each other with fear in our eyes. We both realized the seriousness of the situation and we began to scan the horizon for a place for cover. There was nowhere to hide, so we made the only decision available to us, which was to pull underneath the overpass which if you watch the Leather Channel, that's literally maybe the worst place to be in the middle of a tornado. Slowly moved the truck around and settled us in right as the sounds of the storm and the wind began to pick up around us. We're fully underneath the coverage of the bridge, yet my windshield was being pelted with rain and hail with such force from the wind that we couldn't see out any of the windows. We're totally blind. The sound was, was deafening. It was like a freight train running over the top of our truck. We could barely hear each other shout, even though we were huddled face to face. The radio shut off. The sirens couldn't be heard. It was just Casey, me, the two dogs, and every possession of our entire lives in the car with us. We were facing life and death in that moment. And we huddled our faces on top of each other so that we were laying cheek to cheek. And I'll tell you, in that moment, I was desperate. There was nothing I could do in my power. I was reliant beyond myself. This illusion of, of control and self-reliance had been shattered. I'll tell you, I... I've come face to face with how precarious our world is and all I could do is pray. In that moment, as I huddled with Casey, screaming into her ear and her screaming back into mine, we prayed. Neither one of us cared about the flying on eagle's wings. Neither one of us cared about praying in old King James. Neither one of us cared about stealing each other's materials. The only thing that was real was that life or death was in the balance. And we were entirely reliant on God to show up. So we prayed the, the most desperate prayer of our lives. 
Jesus calms storms. Jesus, don't let us die. Jesus, help. Over and over and over again, Jesus, calm the storm. Jesus, don't let us die. Jesus, help. They were simple. They were real, and they were desperate, every part of us in those prayers. And I just wonder, I wonder what it would look like if we took this approach towards prayer every single day in our lives. What could happen if we prayed in, in full reliance each day, not just on the days where we come face to face with the reality of how precarious our world is, how different would our marriages look if we went to God every single evening and cried out that we couldn't do it without him, begged him to be at the center of our relationship. In, in what ways would our mental health change if we went to God daily and said, my depression, my anxiety, they feel so much bigger than me, God, I need you. What would our families and our children look like if we went to our knees every morning and say, God, they're in your hands, not mind? How would it change the way we showed up to work each day? If in the car we called on God and told him that whatever happens today may be out of my control, but I'm going to rely on you for everything I need. What kind of breakthrough could we see in our finances, in our addictions, in our health situations if we recognize every single morning and every single moment this idea of reliance on God? How would it change things around us? To prayer, it's, it's recognizing that the world is precarious and then reaching out to God as if our life depended on it. And I'll tell you this, even if your life doesn't depend on it right now, there are people all around you, shoulder to shoulder with you in this church today that are fighting for their lives. On Tuesday, I, I sat down to start praying for the thousands of fasts that have been submitted through our app alone. Thousands of people seeking breakthrough I have to be honest, I only got through about a hundred of them before tears filled my eyes, just hearing the weight and, and the reality of what the people in this church are enduring. It's, it's people like, like Christina, who's praying for, for her son that walked away from Jesus and, and fell into to drug abuse. And now he's been jumping from, from rehab to rehab. It's, it's Jose who's been asking God for a baby after seven years of infertility and seven years of multiple miscarriages. It's, it's Katie who's whose marriage is on the edge and verge of divorce. She said, coming to church is her last hope and we need a breakthrough. It's, it's the single mom, Dina, who's, who's struggling. She's struggling to provide for her kids and needs a new job. It's, it's Dan who needs freedom from his alcohol addiction so that he can spend time with his kids that have been taken away from him by the court. It's, it's Jan. It's Jan who's been praying that God would send her a husband in her life that'll help her raise her special needs child. It's Jacqueline who got accepted to multiple schools, multiple colleges, and isn't sure which path God has for it. Stephanie, who's buried in so much credit card debt that she's about to lose her home. She needs a financial breakthrough. It's Leslie and her family just found out that their elderly mother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and they aren't sure how they're going to take care of it. It's Victor, who was just diagnosed with cancer, and he doesn't know how to tell his sons. He's scared to do it. These are all real people facing real life or death situations, people that are desperate. But it's not just them. In fact, these, these stickies only represent 10, 10 of the thousands of prayers and fasts from our church. 173 of us are praying for our marriages. We need God to intervene. Over 600 of us are praying for our children. The faith of the next generation is worth everything to us. 300 of us are praying for a health situation, an upcoming surgery or cancer diagnosis. We need miracles in this church. 73 of us are crying out in desperation for God to provide a home to live in. 
Over 300 of us are struggling with debt, our finances, our job security. We're begging God for financial breakthrough. Over 150 of us are fasting that God would heal our mental health, provide us relief from our anxiety and our depression. I hope you're hearing this. Our church is facing life or death situations. Our church is desperate for God to show up. That is what we are praying for. That's what we're fasting for as a community. And I need you to hear this. If you don't hear anything else today, I need you to hear this. You are needed. James 5, 16. The prayer of a righteous person is what? It's powerful and it's effective. What that means is that your prayer is powerful. What that means is that your prayer is filled with the power and the authority to overcome the enemy. You may not be facing life or death, but the people around you are. And I want to challenge you to join us in praying with desperation. If the prayer of a, of a single righteous man is powerful, imagine the impact of thousands of righteous joining together, linking arms and praying. In fact, built into the fast that we're doing is this ongoing reminder of reliance on God every single day. So during the fast, when, when you feel a hunger pain or catch yourself going for some sort of a treat, use it as a reminder to go to your knees for yourself or for someone in our church. When you feel the, the caffeine jitters or, or the frustrations mounting, use that frustration as, as, a, as a motivation to go to battle for breakthrough on behalf of these people or yourself. When you go to pray and you start worrying about what, what to say or how to say it, remind yourself, man, my God wants me to be real, not rehearsed. So let's be real with him. Let's step past the awkwardness and step into the authority that God has given us. Your prayer is powerful. And, and I know this is true. I know this is true because I saw it happen in my own, own life. It was underneath an overpass in Amarillo, Texas. Case and I are sitting there, we're holding each other as tight as we can, cheek to cheek. We're still yelling the, the same simple prayers. They're real, they're desperate prayers. Jesus, calm the storm. Jesus, don't let us die. Jesus, help. And as we, as we prayed, we, we somehow started to get bolder. Jesus, calm the storm. Jesus, don't let us die. Jesus, help. And as we prayed, we got louder and louder. Jesus, calm the storm. Jesus, don't let us die. Jesus, help. And it was in that moment that something miraculous happened. As we shouted at the top of our lungs, praying in desperation, the storm slowly began to quiet around us. The wind lifted. The rain stopped. The clouds parted. And Casey and I were left in the truck under the overpass, just us, our two dogs, and all of our life possessions. Obviously shook up that night, we ended up staying with some family friends. And while we were sitting in their living room, we turned on the local news. And we watched image after image of destroyed homes, flipped over cars, and all manner of devastation. We watched as the, the meteorologist drew a line on the interactive screen indicating the path of tornado. And with amazement, we leaned in as he drew that line directly to where we were at on the map. And then he did something surprising. As he neared the freeway where we were at, he lifted the pin, indicating that the tornado had come directly up to where we were at and then skipped over our overpass before continuing on its destructive path. And maybe it was just a coincidence, a coincidence that Casey and I just happened to find 
the exact shelter and the exact location that the tornado didn't hit. But personally, I don't really believe in a God of coincidences. I believe in a God that hears real and desperate prayers. I believe in a God that shows up in power. I believe in a God that can direct and quiet storms. I believe in a God of breakthrough. And I believe that God is not done yet. Are you with me? But listen, that's just one miracle. As a church, we're, we're petitioning our God for thousands more. There are thousands of situations, life or death situations, where we need God to break through. Our church is facing storms, and it's in those moments of desperation that we go to God. So I want to invite you right now in this moment to pray and battle as a church. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So what we're going to do is see thousands of righteous people standing up and praying in powers together. So will you stand with me right wherever you're at, in this room, online, at any of our campuses, stand to your feet with me. And we're going to link arms right now and pray in desperation like life or death is in the balance because for the people to your left and to your right, it is. We're going to lift up some specific prayer requests. But as we do so, I want you to pick a couple of categories behind me to pray for. This image is a word cloud that, that cumulatively displays what we're fasting for as a church. Maybe you'll pick the word relationship and pray over reconciliation and forgiveness in our church. You'll pray for the sons and the daughters that have walked away. Maybe you'll choose finances and battle for financial breakthrough for our people. Pick two, pick three topics behind me. And as we pray together, we want to lift those people up to God. Remember, we don't need to be rehearsed. We just need to be real. So right now, will you raise your hands with me in this room at all of our campuses, even if you're at home, outstretch your arms, symbolically saying that we stand together with open hands, relying on God to show up and breakthrough. And let's pray together. Lord, we come to you right now in a posture of reliance. We need you to show up. Thousands of us are praying. We're fasting. We're seeking your name. Thousands of us need, need breakthrough. So many of us need breakthrough in our future. We need guidance in our decisions. So we lift up people like Jacqueline who, who got accepted to multiple colleges but aren't sure what the right path is for them. Guide their steps, Lord. We pray for Jan that you would send her a man that loves you and will cherish her. We pray that she can find a husband that can partner with her to raise her special needs child. God, we put all of our decisions into your hands. You control our future. You lead the way. Lord, we lift up our marriages and our families to you. You knit us together from the beginning, so we need you now to keep us together. So we lift up Katie, whose marriage is on the verge of divorce. Thanks for bringing her to church and giving her hope. Heal her relationship. We lift up Jose and his wife, who've been battling infertility. We pray that you would heal their hearts from the loss of their miscarriage, and we pray that you would touch her womb in Jesus' name. You you, Lord, are the author of families. You love our families. You love our children. In fact, you said, let the little children come to me. So protect our kids and draw them close like only you can. God, we set our finances and our jobs into your control. You're the God of abundance, and we pray for abundance in our lives. We lift up Dina, the single mom, looking for a new job so that she could provide for her kids. Don't just give her a job, Lord. Give her a career. We're asking you to step into Stephanie's situation. She feels buried in debt. The foreclosure is coming. She feels hopeless. We pray right now that she would receive a breakthrough
through. Open the floodgates. Lord, we pray that you would shower this church, your people, with your generosity and your provision. Jesus, we need you in every single health situation in this church. We're praying for Victor, who was just diagnosed with cancer. Give him the courage to share that news with his kids. And we pray for healing over him. We lift up Leslie and her mother, who was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. We pray for your guidance for them and their family as they face impossible decisions ahead. You are the healer. You are the great physician. You designed every piece of our body and you know us from the inside out. So we pray for a revival of miraculous healings in this church in such a way that only you would receive the glory. And lastly, we pray that you would break the chains of addiction in Jesus' name in this place. Satan has hold on to us for too long. Those habits have controlled us for far too long and that dominion ends today. For Christina's son who struggled and got from rehab to rehab, we pray freedom over him right now. We lift up Dan and his alcoholism. We ask that you would end it today and that you would restore into relationship with his children. You, Lord, break chains. You can crush addiction. You, Lord, have set the captives free in Jesus' name. We pray for it. We lift up the thousands of fasts right here in this place, the thousands of prayers. You are the God of breakthrough. Hear our prayers and show up in power like only you can. And all of God's people say, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to check out Liquid Church for a weekend service, small group outreach, or clean water trip, you can find out more about us online at liquidchurch.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, go ahead and subscribe or share it with your friends. Thanks again for listening.